So I don't think that's the song I sent you, but it is from the same album as the song. Oh, I sent this you. is Night People. No, you sent me Thank You. Yeah. Yes, I sent you Thank You by Lee Dorsey. Um, that's Night People by Lee Dorsey. Apologies. Uh, but thank. So good song regardless. But my intent with Thank You was both to honor Thanksgiving week and to honor um, Desmond Baines comment last night that what he wants to that what he likes to do with his downtime is hang out at home with his old lady. There we go. That's that's the one. Was this a good weekend for the Grizzlies? Uh yeah, I mean, considering in the context of what the season is is otherwise right. what been it's devolved so far, into, yes. Yes. Um they got to win. Those those are those are like hard to come by. And that was on Saturday against the Spurs. And then I think I think last night they played the best game they played all season, including yeah. the three games they won. That, to me, they played better in that game than they did in the three wins. And so it's disappointing to play that well and come up one shot short in the end. But I think that's the best they played. And, and the fact that the best they played is, you know, at, you know, at, at the point of being three and ten, I think it's somewhat heartening that they have it. Like, you know, they're not so down in the dumps about their struggles that they sort of, you know, you know, let go of the rope. Like they they were flying all around the court. They were playing really hard. They played really well against the best team in the league that was at full strength. And if they can just, you know, keep up that effort and keep fiddling around, then you know, all hope is not lost this season. I think the thing that was difficult to determine last night, in particular, is how much of some of these changes that they're making are predicated solely because of roster availability versus, you know, actual, like, is Santi at the three, is that like a legitimate change or is that something that you're just forced to do because you got to get your best players on the floor? I, I, think, I think it's a necessity as the mother of invention, and I think what you just said is exactly the main thing it is. It's getting your best players on the floor. Santi Aldama's the third best player on this team right now. Yeah. You know, that won't be true when Morant comes back. You know, you know, what where is he relative to, you know, Marcus Smart? I think that's a to be determined. But right now today, Santi Aldama's the third best player on this team and you they you gotta get more minutes and more touches to your better players. And and Desmond Bain and Jared Jackson have been carrying such a huge load this season. Santi's the one guy who is I think is capable consistently of taking some of that load. I, I think he legitimately is like their third best player in terms of all around basketball skill plus size and athleticism. So, you know, is his future as the starting small forward? I'm skeptical of that. Um, can he play small forward regularly as sort of part of your rotation, a part of your regular toolkit? Yeah, I actually do believe that. Um, but, you know, the future of Santi is, is an interesting question to be determined over the, the rest of the season and maybe into next season. But for right now, they just got to get their best players more touches and more minutes, and I think he's one of those guys. I, I think that was kind of the other thing. It's like I, I understand maybe it's not the best overall fit at the wing, but right now it's like do they have any other options? Like to me it's like he – I. It makes the most sense to me for for what they have. I think an underrated part of their problem this season, especially especially related, and this is not the main thing you get out of Santi, but to me it's an interesting sort of thing to think about. The biggest problem they've had defensively, or one of the, the underrated problem they've had defensively is size. Yeah, they've been you very small. The opponent, yeah, when you look at the opponent three-point shooting this season, I think people have have asked, like, you know, is this a bad scheme? I think that's part of it. 
is this bad effort in this game? I think, you know, you know maybe that's a part of it, you know, poor execution or whatever of, of what you're trying to do. Is it bad luck? I think some people don't want to acknowledge that, but I think that's been part of it. But the underrated, like, fourth, fourth, you know, quadrant of, like, why you've struggled is, like, you're really, really short, and it's easier to shoot over short dudes. And so, like, if you look at, the, like, the, the two sort of the two-phase starting lineup change that happened over the weekend, like, first, which, you know, was was sort of spurred by Marcus Smart's injury, first, you um, – you bring, I think it was Conchar for Smart, right? And then you yeah. end up bringing Aldama for Gilliard. Well, if you separate those out into the two positions, so going from Marcus Smart at small forward to Santi Aldama at small forward is a nine-inch height increase, which is kind of a lot yes. at one position. And and and, I, and you can look it up. I mean, maybe the numbers are wrong, but I looked this up twice to make sure my eyes were correct. The... the um, According to the way the roster is officially listed, going from Jacob Gilliar to John Conchar at point guard, also a nine-inch yeah. height increase. So, like, you added 18 inches of height over your starting lineup over the course of those those two changes. And that probably, you know, that probably means something defensively especially. And then offensively, you just have a guy who could actually create shots and make shots. Like, there aren't that many of those on the roster, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's kind of the other thing. It's like, also, it gives them – some length too it's like i get it maybe that you don't have the the best like you know size speed ratio whatnot but it's like i felt like a big part of last night was like they were able to just like get hands in passing lanes they they were able to be more active like that that was kind of and again you were there in person that was what stood out to me oh they were they were way more active even the guys you know you can argue whether guys some guys were playing well or not yeah but like david roddy was flying everywhere and, and zion williams was flying everywhere and Vince Williams, like, Vince Williams can defend. I don't know whether he has enough offensive value to really be an NBA player. I think that is to be determined. But it's clear to me he's an NBA-level defensive player. And I think, you know, he he, he made a couple threes last night, which was good. I don't know if you, how often you're going to get that. But defensively, like, he impacts the game. And so, I, you know, I, I think – I think they the, the effort was there last night, but also, like, they were generally, you know, athletically that they were able to hang. I think the other thing that I thought was encouraging this weekend is I felt like Dez started to get better looks. And I don't know if it was because, you know, he's mentioned, you know, I've watched Steph. I've I've watched all these guys that are moving around constantly and I've got to work on my cardio and fitness to stay. Like to me, like the more encouraging thing was last night was I felt like he finally started to get some easier looks. It, whereas it felt like for so much of the season – Everything has been so difficult for him to to try and get a good shot because he's getting so much attention. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have to go back and rewatch some of that. I, I did feel like they were having to really work to get shots last night too. Yeah, at times, um, I, you know, the Celtics are, uh, I think, may end up being the best defense in the league this year. Statistically, they're like second or third or something right now. But, I mean, that's a ridiculous lineup on the floor. Porzingis was a five-alarm fire on both ends for the Grizzlies. He was yeah. just blocking everything. And I don't know what they were doing defensively. They, they were trying to keep Jaron and Biombo out of foul trouble, which didn't work because they both got in foul trouble. But they were – first quarter especially, it was a lot of Desmond Bain and David Roddy trying to wrestle with Porzingis, which they have the bulk, but the dude's 7-3. Yeah. And, but that, that – when you have Porzingis, the seven three dude in the middle of that defense, you're surrounding him with Drew Holiday, Jason Tatum, Derek White, and Jalen Brown. Like that's just not even fair. 
So I, I think the fact that the Grizzlies were, were able to do as much as they could offensively and given the quality opponent was pretty good. But I did think they were having to work pretty hard in the half court. Does this give you hope that they can be more functional here for the next, what is it, I guess, 12 games? Well, I, I think they have been. And it's something I, I, I've been talking about this since that, that first win of the season at second game at Portland, which was the game. That was the first game where both Biombo and all uh, joined the rotation. And since in the first six games, they went 0-6. They had the worst offense in the NBA. They were 19th on defense. They had a negative 10-point differential. Since then, which is now a bigger sample, that's now seven games since that, since that game. Since then, they're 3-4. and four. Their offense is 20th. Their defense is 13th. The point differential is negative 2. Now, a losing record is still a losing record, and a negative point differential is still a negative point differential. So they have not suddenly become a good team. They're still a bad team. But and the idea of them being a more functional, regular team, like, that that has happened. And that has happened even though, like, you know, the, the Morant-Clark-Adams absences or continuity through all of it, it's not like they've stopped having other problems. Like, you know, you've added the Marcus Smart injury to two and a half of those games of those seven. You've added another Luke Kennard, you know, injury absence. You've added Tillman injury absences. You've added Derrick Rose. So it's not like things have gotten better on the health front. But it's a different mix of players, and I think Biombo and Aldama, for different reasons, it's mostly different ends of the floor, have really stabilized things. And the problem is you're still three and ten, and you're still playing. Even though you're playing, you're better. You're playing negative. You know, you're yeah. still in that negative. And so, you know, however many games under five hundred, yeah, either or they're three and ten. Is that right? Yeah, there's seven hundred. So, so seven under. I mean, when Morant comes back, the odds are that that number may be bigger. You hopefully it's not. Hopefully it's only eight or nine or whatever, but it might be more. And so I don't think you're done. You're not digging as, as, as aggressively down, but I don't think you're done digging. Um, and so, you know, whether to the degree there's still hope left, it's going to depend on where exactly that record is when Morant comes back and what's going on in the rest of the West. And that, I think, has helped them a little bit because, you know, if you're gunning for the 10 at this point, that's a sub-500 team right there at 10 right now. I yeah. think it's a sub-500 maybe at nine as well still. So you have at Houston this week on Wednesday the good whatever the Black Friday afternoon game with Phoenix. You have Minnesota at home on Sunday, and then uh, you close out with Utah before you, you hit the road again. Is a two and two, you know, two and two Wednesday to Wednesday? Is that a realistic? Is that a realistic goal? Yeah, it's realistic. I, I, I think I think that's the bar you want to hit. Um, I think asking for more than that is yeah. greedy for the Grizzlies right now. Um, I, I don't think one in three is a disaster, but I, I think if you're really trying to stabilize things and give yourself the best chance to get back in the mix once Jaws back, I think two and two in that stretch is something you'd, you'd definitely like to do. Sure. It felt like the other thing that was a little bit encouraging last night was th- some of these offenses that you've talked about where they don't really have a true point guard. Right. It felt like last night was one of the first times where I felt like they were they were pretty good when they didn't have to have, you know, they didn't have to have a pure point guard on the floor. I think one of the things that we've sort of seen, and you hope it's a lot better when he comes back from injury and he's playing in a different role alongside Ja, was that the Marcus Smart on ball thing sort of hurt them yeah. because of how turnover prone he was. Yes. And so you so when you move from him to Gilliard, you eliminated the turnover problems because Gilliard's like Ty Schoen, doesn't turn the ball over a lot. So you really eliminated that heavy turnover stuff. 
But then you see like the limitations of Gilliard, right? And there's the five eight guy. Right. And so, you know, so now you go from, from Gilliard essentially to Conchar and you're really like, you know, Conchar's just a guy who's not making mistakes for the most part. Yeah. And, and the ball is more going through Desmond and Santi and Sharon. And so, you know, you eliminated the turnover problem on the first move, and then you eliminated the defense problem you created on the second move, and, like, you know, maybe this is what they'll roll with for, for a while. Chris, we appreciate it. We look forward to talking more uh, the rest of the week. All right, thanks. That is Chris Harrington of the Daily Memphian.